All right, so let's go ahead and pick up where we left off. I'm not going to do as much of the review because uh, we've covered a lot, and there's a lot of information here. So uh, we have been talking about the promise of life in Christ Jesus and how, um, you know, there's no fear, uh, there's no shame. Uh, and so uh, there's no doubt, no fear, no shame. And so today we're talking about life in Christ Jesus produces no shame in suffering. No shame in suffering. And when we look at the text, we'll pick it back up. Um, you guys are, of course, we've covered the first seven verses quite extensively. I think verse 7 is one of my favorite verses. It probably quoted like a mantra. Uh, for God not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And uh, it's a wonderful encouragement, um, of course, written to his son Timothy. But he really gets into, he kind of ter- turns the corner here in verse 8 and goes from all this sweet, encouraging, uh, all these things he's saying about his grandma and his mother and the faith that he has. And, and of course, we remember verse 6, he tells him to stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And, and he's going somewhere with this, right? Because he knows Timothy's going to have to stand as a man. And uh, this is his swan song. So he says in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but now was made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that that good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Did it work? Awesome. Um, I'm more encouraged now than I was before. Oh really? Okay, good. I don't. I do it so often. I don't even think about it. So uh, that good thing which was committed in verse fourteen, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are uh, Phygellus and Hermogenes. Uh, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he offered fresh me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus. Thou knowest very well. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to just uh, dig around in the Word, to swim around in the Word, to be washed in the water of the Word. Lord, it's been a really good day for me here at HBF. I'm, I'm glad I'm a member of this church. I'm encouraged by the fellowship, by the work that you uh, not only have done, but the work that you are doing. And Lord, I'm trusting in the work that you will do. Uh, Lord, I don't think that time can really, and, uh, and, and even the fruit and the things that we see can truly probably measure uh, uh, the love that you have for us and how how much you've bestowed upon us, Lord. It's a, it's a blessing, and, and I mean that in the best sense of the word, Lord. Uh, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you for giving us the burden to share the light. Lord, I pray as we look at this text and we consider Timothy and the, the, the shoes that he was filling. 
they were big shoes and uh, Lord they, they were immense immense responsibility and as we stand here today reading this very text we know that uh, Lord you are faithful and uh, faithful is he that calleth who also will do it and you have brought us here to this very day and delivered us your word so that we can put on Lord uh, these things and put off the old man and put on the truth of your word the whole armor of God and stand uh, faithful like Timothy uh, as a son of God as a son of uh, and the Lord of, of Paul Lord we are disciples of Jesus and we're thankful for the privilege of being stewards of the mysteries of God we pray that we would be faithful as you have called uh, your servants to be faithful uh, from the first day till now we praise you we thank you we ask a blessing on your word pray that we would be humble and uh, really desire to be filled on the inside with the things that are eternal so that nothing on the outside can really affect us even the sting of death we praise you and we thank you and we ask this in jesus name amen all right so life in christ jesus produces no shame and suffering so point a no shame in the testimony of our lord which is pretty self-evident here in the text that uh, paul is calling timothy to be not thou therefore and of course therefore when you see the word therefore you guys know that you're supposed to see why what it's there for and uh, you got to go back and look and of course paul's uh already told him not to have a spirit of fear and to remember to, to stir up the gift of god and if he gets all stirred up and does what paul says then guess what he's going to He's going to face some difficulty, and that first thing is that, you know, not being ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So it's your identity. So this is good. Uh, today we live in a time of identity everything. Identity politics, identity religion, identity this, identity that, blah, blah, blah. And so if we want to identify with something, Paul says, hey, listen, Timothy, you can identify with me, and you can identify with the testimony of our Lord. And the testimony of our Lord is, that's a pretty pregnant meaning. I'm going to jump into that right now. So in your text, Revelation 1-9, if you've been around here much, you'll you'll see me recite this over and over again. So this isn't new to many of you. But it's, it's a fundamental truth that you need to be, and we need to be, especially Sunday night crew, uh, we definitely should be focused on. Revelation 1-9, um, I, John, uh, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So if you know much about John um, at this juncture, uh, he's um, assumed to be in his 90s. Uh, and I think that's accurate. And uh, and he's there uh, because history says, now we don't know this, it's not written, but history says that they couldn't kill him. It wasn't because, uh, you know, they didn't want him dead. It's they tried to boil him and burn him in a vat of oil or whatever it was, something to that effect. And uh, he wouldn't die. He just wouldn't. It was like God divinely protected him. And I believe that's entirely possible um, and probable. And so whatever the case may be, he was banished to this isle called Patmos, which, which in essence is where God wanted him to be so that he could receive the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's that's the book of Revelation. So he says, that's why I'm here. I'm here. Uh, in the Isle of Patmos for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a double entendre. In one sense, he was there uh, for his stance on the Word of God, his love for the Word of God, his commitment to the Word of God from the first day till the last. But also, he's there uh, because God's going to deliver to him a word and a testimony that we're going to have to cap off our New Testament. I mean, so he's there for the Word of God. Uh, in the sense that he's uh, he's doing what Paul's talking about with Timothy, and he's like, hey Timothy, if you're going to 
be uh, if you, you if you're going to have good faith like your grandma and uh, your mom, uh, you're going to need to have uh, make sure you remember that you don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And because of that power, love, and sound mind, therefore, just don't be ashamed of me. Um, and uh, well, first of all, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, and uh, nor of me as prisoner. Right? So identify, identify with the Lord, identify with me, and embrace it. Because in doing that, you're going to face some difficulties. Well, John's the same way. He faced some difficulties. And, of course, he has the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, testimony of our Lord. Not exactly word for word, but similar, right? So uh, the testimonies is what I wanted to focus on right now. Revelation 12:17. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, uh, which, is, of course, is the Jews, which keep the commandments of God and have... The testimony of Jesus Christ. So in Revelation 12, in the tribulation period, this isn't dealing with us uh, per se right now, uh, but we do have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but these in the tribulation period, the remnant of, of her seed, uh, the woman that, that, went, uh, that he's talking about uh, is Israel, um, they have the, the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse, 19, verse 10 of Revelation 19. And I, and I fell... Now, this is right before the second coming passage there, right? Uh, John is writing, and he says, I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the... Here is the testimony. Here's your definition. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Alright, so what you have in your hand, your Bible, is the testimony. Everything that God has said in this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, is gonna, it is true and it will come true. It will come to pass. The testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. So Deuteronomy 18, he's not a false prophet. He's a true prophet, so what he says will come to pass, will come to pass. If we don't understand it, it's not his fault. It's because his word is true and it will come to pass. So uh, so John believed that. Paul believed that. And Paul is charging Timothy to believe that. Identify with the testimony of Jesus and of me, his prisoner. Right? And, uh, and of course, Paul is a, is a major factor in, in regard to being the apostle of the Gentiles. And, of course, historically at this time, the canon of Scripture was being compiled. So there's an element here of preservation that's occurring, but I won't get too far foot on that. For what we need to know today, I want to just focus on those three passages that are very clear. And also it's interesting in the messenger there in Revelation 19, uh, many believe that could be Daniel um, because uh, he is a he's a witness. I don't know. I, I mean, you could speculate because we really don't know who that is. Uh, it's it, Jesus can be worshipped, I can tell you that. So... Um, it's not Jesus, right? Because Jesus would say, it's okay to worship me. But it isn't okay to worship. The, he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, hold up. I'm, a, I'm an angel. I'm a messenger. Um, I'm, and he also says, I'm thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony. So there's some descriptions there that are pretty interesting of Jesus. We don't know. I can't. I wouldn't say with certainty who it really is because I really don't know. But God knows. And uh, and worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Make sure you get your worship straight and make sure it's by the word. Really, kind of what I alluded to this morning in, in a certain aspect because that's where the that's where we get off off track and we'll, the people will continue to get off track in the days ahead because they'll forsake the testimony of Jesus Christ and they'll worship something that looks close, a white horse rider, 
but it is not going to be the white horse rider of Revelation 19. So uh, deceptive days are right around the corner. We don't want to be caught up in that, right? And we don't want to be we don't want to be arrogant either, right? So even the very elect could be deceived. So uh, praise God, we got the we have the Spirit of God, and we have the Word of God, and we have the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the Word of God. All right. So there are places today we're identifying with Christ. Let's get practical. I've kind of gotten up here a little bit in the stratosphere of the Bible, but let's get back here where the rubber meets the road. So there are places today where identifying with Christ uh, with no fear will mean prison time or death, uh, increasingly. And it's in those moments and places that promises and prophecies of Scripture uh, mean the most to a saint, right? So these folks are friends in India that are dying. I uh, just got another email this week from Christodos with more persecution in India. A little girl begging the prime minister to do something and all of these things. And there's a lot of things at play. Um, you know, I am I am actually encouraged by the, the saints in uh in India, they have mobilized themselves and organized themselves to put out quite a a uh, prudent defense of their brethren around the country, and I think it is putting some pressure on Prime Minister Modi to not be so hardline. Because in his heart of hearts, I believe he would probably just get rid of Christianity if at all possible. Um, but at any rate, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking about you know India, China. Africa. I mean, there's places all over the planet. I mean, it's really bad in Africa. There's just people getting hacked to death, burnt to death, killed. Just a few weeks ago, I think 20-some students were killed by Muslims. Um, the, just wicked hatefulness. <clears throat> um, uh, because this is a Christian, Christian, Christian group of people, and they want to kill them and slaughter them. Same thing's going on in Somalia. So, if you're in the crosshairs, right, of all of that. Uh, the only thing you have is the Word of God and the prophecies. I mean, that's it. I remember I was still just torn about just some of the things I saw in ISIS doing to Christians uh, back, you know, just a, just a handful of years ago, you know. And you're, before you get to be killed and, and get to emulate Jesus Christ, they would hang people in these little towns in the Middle East. You know, you get to watch your wife and your kids get killed. I mean, it's just just like you would see in the Old Testament, or I mean the Old Testament, in the church church history under the Roman uh, Catholic persecutions of the Dark Ages So, and the Inquisition. So it's it's very wicked. And uh, and under that kind of darkness, the only thing you have is the light. The things of this world uh, grow dim, and, and, and all we have is the light of His glory and grace and the promises of Scripture, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Paul, his prisoner, who himself is going to suffer a death sentence at the hands of Nero, is confident, and he writes this epistle, and, and he's not melancholy. Uh, very, very, very centered uh, in his hope of the gospel. And I don't mean that as though he was hoping he was saved, but his assurance that he had in the promises and the prophecy of Scripture. Okay, so consider the visions of Joseph. You know, when you think back on Joseph, as he languished in his cell waiting for the butler uh, to remember him, you know, what did Joseph think about? Well, he did exactly what you and I would do. He looked at Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, though he didn't know Jesus, and he remembered the promises that God had given him in the visions, and he endured believing uh, believing God would deliver him. Of course, he didn't know Jesus like we know Jesus, but he knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he was sure of the vision that God had given him. And so while he was languishing in prison, he thought about, well, the word of God, the word that came to him in that time in the Old Testament through the vision that God gave him, through the dreams that God gave him. And that's what he thought upon, and he never he never doubted it. 
Uh, he looked uh, to the author and finisher of his faith, and he remembered the promises of God that he had been given in the in the dreams and enduring uh, the difficulties. And God delivered him, of course, an incredible type of Jesus Christ. He emulated the Lord, like many others in his situation, even to this day. So many of the prophets, like Jeremiah and Daniel, were captives. And when they were in captivity, they meditated upon the promises of God. Hallelujah. So God gave them his promises in the form of prophecy. And you know what? We hope upon those very prophecies even today. So many of those prophecies are contained in the book. You know, God wants us to have, you know, we don't have everything. We're told that. The world cannot contain everything uh, because Jesus is eternal. So what we have is what God wants us to have, right? This is the <coughs> this is the story, the record. The the this is the as I said this morning. This is the will and testament, and uh, old and new. And these these are, these are the things that have been bequeathed to us by our Lord and Savior. And it's amazing, right? This is the will of God, and we have it. So we don't have to have a new revelation. We don't have to run up here to IHOP, you know, and jump on Mike Bickle's bandwagon, and uh, and you know, get a fresh, extra biblical revelation. Uh, we got all the revelation we need. We just need to understand the revelation that we've already got. We don't need some exterior person that's made a, had a trip to, you know, hell and beat up the devil uh, or whatever crazy prophecy they say they have up there to come and give us more education on and more hope than we already have that's contained within the scripture. Uh, there's no other well that we need to drink from other than the well that God has given us right here in this book. And that's just going to be, I've said it this morning, I'll say it again. When things get difficult, it's really more important than ever to hold fast to the faithful words that we've been taught and not to look for some exterior influence to comfort us and bring us some other revelation that's outside of what Jesus Christ has intended for us. There's a point, though, even in our suffering, like Joseph, where we just have to believe what God has said, even when our circumstances don't look like they merit um, that kind of faith, they do. Right, and that's what faith is. Faith is, is is hoping in things that you cannot see. You know, knowing that they're real, according to the Book of Hebrews. Right, so uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't mean they're not real. It just means you can't see them at the time. That's what faith is all about. Uh, else, it's not faith, as Paul says, I think, over in Galatians or Colossians. So, um, so many of the prophets, like Jeremiah and Daniel experienced that. And Jesus, uh, while held captive in this world on on a rescue mission, looked to his very reunion in glory and the fulfillment of his word as encouragement as he suffered. So think about that. What's he hoping in? He's hoping in what he wrote. <laughs> He's hoping in what he spoke. He's hoping in, because he fulfilled what the Old Testament, he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, right? So he's fulfilling everything in the Old Testament. It's all fulfilled in him. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, of course, of all men, Jesus never doubted what the word of God said. He knew he was good for his word. Right? I don't always know if I'm good for my word, but I know God's good for his word. Right? So that's that's the bottom line is he's good for his word. And so uh he looked uh uh he looked under the, the he is the author and finisher of our faith, but the joy that was set before him caused him to endure the cross. So when we look forward we should look forward with joy. And that's because we believe that God is true. So you can't just look at Revelation and get stuck in Revelation, uh, you know, uh, one through 
18 and 19, right? You got to keep going. Chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, because there's a really good ending. If you got a 23rd chapter, you got the wrong book. But anyway, so uh, but you got to you got to keep going because there's so much good that comes at the end of the story is outstanding. It's tremendous. All right. So today, Christians um, uh, in America, um, you know, we we kind of have it easy for now, um, but that could change. And in time, we don't know what God will do. Uh, but the bottom line, whether you're free or in bondage, we look to Jesus, right? And there's a different kind of faith. There's a faith to, to face the affluence, right? You gotta have a certain faith to, to deny your flesh and go with God. And there's a certain faith that when you have no other options, you look forward to things that you don't, don't see. And so, um, you know, it doesn't really matter, uh, whether you're under persecution or not. We need to serve the Lord faithfully and hold fast to these prophecies. Um, that the Lord has given us. The testimony of our Lord is the spirit of prophecy. All right, so circling back around to the testimony of our Lord as I finish up this thought, Second uh, Timothy one eight, we find that the outcome of the definition is found there in Revelation 19 where Jesus returns to liberate the planet physically from the power of Satan. So it is therefore appropriate to focus on our liberation while facing incarceration. And that's ultimately what Paul's saying in this is he's like, hey, make sure that you're not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner. What got Paul through his incarceration was the promise of liberation. If you ultimately look down uh, at the prophecies, that's, that's again, I, this really goes hand in hand with what I said this morning, so hallelujah to the Lord because I didn't plan it like this. But, um, you know, that's what we're talking about this morning. That story of, of liberating the captives from, from Egypt resonates throughout history because we're all held captive to sin. And, of course, the, the magnitude of that is important. So Paul's like, he's held captive. He's incarcerated. He's like, don't forget the testimony of Jesus. Don't forget the prophecy. Don't forget how the story ends. Right? You are free, even if you die. Right? You're, you're good. You're good to go, Timothy. So don't have a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Therefore, right? Right? Therefore, right? because you don't have that spirit, you can identify with the testimony of the Lord Jesus, and that will, and you can identify with me who's incarcerated. And uh, we all look forward to that liberation when we face incarceration. Anybody ready to be incarcerated? I know I don't want to be incarcerated, but if I were, I would have some liberation from the Word of God so you can be free even while you're bound. All right, so no shame in that point B. Uh, do you have an A and a B under that? Okay, so no shame in the prisoner of the Lord. All right. So there's no shame in the testimony of our Lord, and there's no shame in the prisoner of our Lord. So Paul encourages participation. Participation through emulation. In verse 8, Be thou therefore... Uh, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So uh, he's actually saying partake of the afflictions. Like It's not just a participation. I need some emulation. You know, you're going to have to go through the same things I'm going through. Uh, participation through intercession as well. In Hebrews 13.3, which is in your notes, he says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer... Uh, adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So uh, we don't have the liberty of overlooking the suffering of other saints. 
Um, we need to make sure that we are... Uh, and, and by the way, this works in any dispensation. So in the coming tribulation period, if you are not bound with the Jews or bound with the Gentiles that aren't taking the mark, you should you should help them. So in the, just like you saw in this dispensation, right? Even during the time of the Holocaust, even though there were unbelieving Jews that didn't know Jesus, you're going to be blessed if you help... And Frank's family, you know, run from the Nazis. I mean, there's just some biblical principles that work in every dispensation. And, uh, you know what? Remember them that are in bonds. You used to have a, uh, African American brother, uh, who was a retired pastor. He'd open many of our services. He'd read scripture and he would pray. And, uh, he had this wonderful southern style of praying. I, and he, one of the things he said, Oh, sir, just uh, help those behind prison bars. And I can't do it justice, but man, I, it was a cool prayer. I tell you what, I, I, I still resonates in my mind and the thing that really made it cool to me is i think he meant it you know i think he was sincere in that request and coming from where he was coming from he probably had plenty of acquaintances even probably family and friends that had been in prison bars or were in prison bars so it means a little something different when you know people in prison bars even if they're in prison bars for things they ought not be and it's just you still want to be remember those that are in bonds is bound with them and uh, and there's some lessons there. Um, and then what suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body, but especially those that suffer adversity, um, you know, that live godly for Christ and still suffer persecution, which is promised. They find themselves incarcerated, uh, dealing with adversity. Uh, you know, what God is encouraging here is this participation through intercession is really empathy. And isn't it harder and harder to get empathetic? Yeah, part of this uh, this media that is is bombarding all of our brains and preachers' minds included in that um, is to I think is a somewhat to inoculate us from some of the and there's some of the most wicked violence and maybe it's probably my own wicked feed that, uh, that they like because I like MMA I like I like I like the struggles of boxing and and uh, high level MMA I don't like I do not like street fights but you know what ends up getting fed into my loops street fights. And I'm like, I don't want to look at street fights. I hate street fights. I had enough of that when I was younger, and I don't want any of it now, and I never have liked it, and I still don't like it. There's something about brawling in the street that just makes me want to vomit. I don't think it's the will of God. And so, um, and it isn't. And so, I don't like watching it. This is just me. I'm just being really transparent here, right? But, you know, I think as I see some of that, I don't, and I really hate it. I hate it if some thug comes up and racks an old lady in the head. Now I get angry and it gets my emotions. There's a part of me that doesn't want to watch it. And there's a part of me that feels like I need to watch it. But all it does is incite me into an anger that I can't do anything about, right? So it's, it's not a real situation. I was at the restaurant today and the lady was choking to death. That's a real situation. That's when you need to respond and not get out your phone and start recording. <laughs> so, so we went over and helped her. Unfortunately, she got it dislodged and we, uh, we were getting ready to call 911, but didn't have to. So, uh, praise the Lord, that worked out good. But uh, I think there's it's getting to where people don't even respond anymore. It's just every man for himself, and it's all just for the next recording. See how many hits you get and. Uh, there was a shooting a few weeks ago somewhere, and people were recording it. And I was I was in amaze. I'm like, why wouldn't you run out there and like blindside that shooter? Why he's killing people? It's unbelievable. And and so I'm getting off on my soapbox, but that's what Sunday nights are for. So uh, if we want to get involved, one of the things that we can do is get into intercession. 
Right? We can pray and remember them that are bound, as bound with them. And so there is some good with identifying with people. There's good with putting yourself in the story and having empathy. But you don't want to just be a bystander, like somebody who's watching through a camera. And that's the danger that we're in today. It's it's not it's a kind of a, a, a kind of a voyeuristic mindset instead of really empathizing with people and, and putting yourself in their shoes. It's an entertainment thing and it's not healthy. Uh, many many years ago when I was first married, we'd go watch cops on Friday night. That's when our, we'd take our laundry to tidy wash and get our laundry done. We lived on this third floor apartment, so uh, it was. By the time you carry your laundry downstairs, three flights. You just want to do it one time. So we would just load our car and go to tidy wash because we had to run up and down the stairs if we used our own laundry there at the bottom floor, So, which was another story down. So so we go to tidy wash and sit there and we'd watch cops. Bad boys, bad boys, you know, what you going to... And I would just sit there and say, you know, Amy, um, this just isn't healthy. I don't think we should be entertained by people getting arrested. <laughs> it just doesn't seem right, you know. Uh, that is not having intercession and empathizing with people behind prison bars. Uh, so here's what we can do. We can participate, and you don't have this in your notes, participation through visitation. Okay, so we, there's three things I've just said, which I've been a long time to say. We Paul encouraged participation. The first one was participation through emulation. The second thing was participation through intercession. And the third one was participation through visitation. And so uh, we see that in verse 9 of chapter 4. So you're going to have to go to chapter, or I think I got the verse in there. Paul is imploring Timothy later in this book, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Man, I want to see your face. And it is refreshing when you have someone come physically and visit. Which, by the way, thank you, Jeff, for all the visits. He's a visiting machine. And uh, Walt kind of was a visiting machine. And, man, it is just something about having a, a person in the flesh. Uh, it's good to have a call or a text or whatever. But when you someone comes in the flesh, it just is super encouraging. Uh, and so visitation is important. Now, I'm not minimizing those other things. They're all, all touches are important. But a visitation. Paul was really looking forward to a visitation. It doesn't mean he got it. Right, you can't always get there. He himself said, and "I was trying to get there, but I was delayed." You know, things happen. But a visitation is important, and Paul encourages that kind of participation. Okay, so man, I was going to be done tonight. Let me see. I'm going to be done tonight. Let's just finish this. So, no shame in uh, no shame in Paul. Very clearly, he doesn't want him to be ashamed of his his chain, though um, all. Uh, in Asia have turned away from Paul. He says that he is not ashamed of the Lord uh, uh, or his gospel. The optimism of Paul is certainly supernatural. If uh, we were to look at his situation objectively without eyes of faith, we would see a glass half uh, to completely empty. It would be a failed church planning operation. It would be fractured church families and grievous wolves who would come in promoting the law ahead of grace, destroying the faith of many. It would be persecution without uh, and carnality from within. Yet Paul is persuaded that Jesus Christ said uh, what he said, right? What he said is true. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Beloved, I have sat in rooms with, with believers who are twisted around the axle about this thing or the other, which I will not get into. And when I say, listen, Jesus Christ will build his church, and the gates of hell will prevail against it, they literally look at me and go, Brian, you say that all the time. And what they don't know is that I could be just as discouraged as they are, but I choose not to be. I have to believe that Jesus Christ is doing what He says, or I'd want to quit too. But I don't have the, I don't have the luxury of quitting, right? And you don't either, because if we quit, 
we quit on a lot of people that need us. So I'm sure Paul probably thought Daniel's 70th week would commence any time, as he should, as a as he thought the Lord would complete his prophetic plan to reach the Gentiles before returning to restore Israel. I really don't know everything. I know Paul knew things that he didn't even share that he says he can't say. But at the end of the day, whatever Paul's thoughts were, I think he knew that at the time he expected the Lord to return imminently. And, of course, some of that prophecy didn't get worked out till after his death, right? The 70, 70 A.D. wasn't until after the death of Paul. So Paul had every reason to believe that uh, Jesus was going to come back and carry out his promises with Israel, and he was finishing up the Gentile work, and everything would just go ahead. And, of course, uh, God put a 2,000-year pause button on that, and here we are today. But conversely, we got to realize that God's doing a cleanup operation, and very shortly, He's going to fulfill those very same promises, and imminently, He's about to return and catch us away. So it doesn't matter which end of this thing you're on. You know, you got to be ready, and you got to believe God's Word, because God's Word is true. And so, 1900 years have passed, and we find ourselves in the same place as Paul. Now, here's the real question, and we're getting done. Uh, are you ashamed? And I, am I ashamed? I mean, that's really the question we've got to ask ourselves. I hope not, because before long, we literally will be standing in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be just as live and in, uh, in, in HD as Paul in the first century, uh, standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, giving account for the things we've done in the body, whether they be good or bad. I mean, that's what we're going to be doing. So there's no shame. Hey, Timothy, man, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, because it won't be long. And you'll be standing there before the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed now, so you won't be ashamed then. And point D, and I'll be done. No shame in serving. Second Timothy 1, 16-18, Paul throws a shout-out to Onesiphorus' house. This house was obviously in Ephesus, where Onesiphorus was from. And it's very likely uh, that Onesiphorus had died. We don't know for sure, but I, just based on the way the text talks, it sure seems like it. It's even, uh, it's even possible he perished a martyr. The details are not given about where Onesiphorus was when Paul wrote, but that was important. But what I'm sorry, what, what was important uh, to his writings are these two things. Not, number one, who he was. You know, Jeff just did a funeral this weekend. At the end of the day, what? Who are you, right? Who? 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 Oh, that's a different thing. So, who? Who was he, right? Who? He? Who? Who was? Who was an Esophorus? Well, Paul says this is who he was. Uh, he was not ashamed of the gospel, uh, or of the apostle Paul, nor his bonds. That's who he was. He was a man who was not ashamed. Timothy, you know, an Esophorus, be like him. He served Paul as a free man, and he served uh, and as a man bound, risking even his own safety and welfare to minister to Paul. He was, this man is a man that we can all look to as an example. So who he was is one thing that we can look at, and the kind of man he was. And also, what, what did he do? Well, I mentioned some of that, but he, he brought great refreshment to Paul in the body of Christ. This man was a refreshment to Paul in the body of Christ. This guy, Onesiphorus, was, was, uh, he refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. This man was a refreshment to the people that he ministered to. So while Paul was remembering Anesiphorus, he was remembering his family who may have missed their loved one. 
And so, uh, beloved, we're going to we're going to give our utmost devotion. If we're going to give our utmost devotion to anything, may it be to the gospel, right? So why would we stand proudly and take a bullet for our country? It's Fourth of July, right? Or our family, be all macho, but yet not give our life for the Creator. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with taking a bullet for your country or your family. Those are really admirable things to do. Everyone should be willing to do that. But at the end of the day, why would we do that and not do that for the Lord? You know, it makes no sense, and it doesn't make any sense as 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 to why we would run and hide unless there's been something corrupt that has corrupted us from the simplicity that is in Christ, right? Because it's really pretty simple. Um, and and when we say simple, that's not a negative thing. It's basic and elementary in the sense that God makes it clear. So the promise of life in Christ Jesus gives gives us uh, no doubt about our relationships, no fear in being used of God, and no shame in suffering and encouraging those who suffer for Jesus' sake and the name of Jesus. So um, so that's where we're going to end. Uh, I think did I put Isaiah one eighteen in your notes. So this is a bookend to what I was talking about this morning, right? In in Romans 12, this is the first verse that I, I kind of alluded to it. I didn't have the reference. I said Isaiah. It says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Right? And so that's a promise. That's a prophecy. That's part of the testimony of this book. You know what? God is reasonable. So because we believe that by faith... It puts us back to Romans chapter 12, doesn't it? Because it's our reasonable service, right? Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So by God's grace, that is what we'll do. That's really what Paul was encouraging Timothy to do, is to, to you know be faithful and to follow the example that he had, uh, had set, not only by the Apostle Paul, but also by Anessa Forrest, that faithful servant. All right, so let's go ahead and transition to the prayer pieces. And uh, let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word. Uh, Lord, the prophecy of the word of God that you've given us, the teaching of your word is revealed uh, and uh, to us in the word. And so we're thankful that your will is revealed to us in the word of God and, and that you've been able to give us this clarity and this assurance and this certainty. And we pray, God, we'd be faithful with it and good stewards until you come to catch us away and that uh, the glory of God would just be radiant in our lives as we stand before you and that you would get all the honor, the glory, and the praise. And, that, Lord, we'd be so thankful for these days when we get caught up out of here. And, Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. 42 minutes.